Hi everyone, I'm Riley Blanks, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty, a storytelling platform reimagining the everyday act of self-celebration for and by all women. This show brings you unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries who have developed personal success despite trauma and hardship by leaning into grit and discernment. We explore the messy interwoven realities of mental health, holistic wellness, intricate family dynamics, racial complexity, and the exceptional discoveries that lead to fulfillment. This is our pledge to the power of resilience and the impact of perspective. Back in February, three weeks before our world faced a pandemic, I held the opening reception for my self-portrait series titled Manifest. During the event, one of my best friends, who's also an Austin-based activist and community organizer, Virginia Cumberbatch, joined me on stage to discuss the body of work. This very first episode of the podcast features that live discussion. I have obsessed over this series, writing, photographing, and curating a body of work that fulfills an initiative close to my heart. And it can be hard to fulfill an artist's dreams, especially when many of them remain intangible, unseen, solely imagined. But Miranda Bennett, a sustainable designer with a beautiful brick and mortar in East Austin, co-curated an event that felt like home. My conversation with Virginia addressed the impact of black and brown bodies in our physical, digital, and spiritual world. In Virginia's words, this wasn't just the manifestation of a dream, but an expression of identity, a disruption of perception, and a recognition of our beauty in spaces that so often deem us invisible. I'm so excited to share Woke Beauty's first episode, a deep, unedited conversation between me and my good friend, Virginia Cumberbatch. Thank you guys all so much for coming and being here. It's really cool to look out and see a full house tonight. Um, I just wanted to welcome everyone, first of all, and extend our gratitude for you guys coming to be here tonight at this event. Um, I wanted to also give a little context to who we are. For anyone who is new to Miranda Bennett Studio, the brand and our store, um, we are a locally-based business. We plant dye all of our apparel and manufacture everything here in Austin with an all-woman supply chain. Our uh, clothing is really meant to live with women through every stage of their life, from you know body fluctuating throughout the month, the year, etc., but just really provide clothing that can be there for you and allow you to feel beautiful and seen and worthy. So it means a lot to see so many beautiful women here in the space tonight. Um, it also honors our supply chain, which I'm really proud to have um, you know, as an all-woman all-woman team. So thank you for being here. And just in terms of the space, we opened our brick and mortar just over a year ago. I'm an Austin native. Um, I've seen the you know, radical transformation of East Austin. It was really important for me in opening a space here that we make this feel like an inclusive space where everyone is welcome and that we have programming events that really welcome the community in outside of you know, just strictly a commercial interaction. So I really wanted for this to feel like a space where when you walk in, you feel welcome. You don't have to buy anything, or maybe you get like a sticker or a good conversation. But I just really wanted to um, to not sort of add to this sense of displacement that is very much, 
you know, going on in this community now in Austin. So it means a lot to see everyone showing up and really engaging with that mission that we have. So thank you just in that way for being here tonight. I am extremely honored and excited um, to welcome Riley's incredible art to this space. I think I couldn't have imagined a more beautiful series than what she's produced. So um, this talk is very much adjacent to the content of the work, and I just wanted to introduce both of our speakers tonight. So uh, first is Virginia Cumberbatch. She is a creative scholar and organizer. Virginia's work sits in the intersection of community. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's give Virginia a round of applause. <laughs> so this is the incredible Virginia Cumberbatch. We had a hard time whittling down her bio because there is a lot of incredible stuff in there. So uh, Virginia is a creative scholar and organizer. Her work sits at the intersection of community advocacy and storytelling. Virginia has served as Director of Equity and Community Advocacy for the UT's Division, for UT's Division of Diversity and Community Engagement since 2016. Virginia is also the co-founder of Rosa Rebellion, a platform for creative activism by and for women of, col of color that, launch, that launched at South by Southwest 2019. Born and raised in Austin, Texas, Virginia is a founding board member of Six Square, Austin's black cultural district, and is currently a global shaper, chair of the Waterloo Greenway, uh, Greenway Equity Committee, and was vital in relaunching the National Urban League's Young Professionals Program in Austin. In 2017, she was appointed to and is currently serving on the mayor of Austin's task force on institutional racism and systemic bias. She also serves workshops, uh, she also develops workshops for corporations, nonprofits, and universities to explore and shift their own community to diversity, inclusion, and equity. She is the recipient of many prestigious awards, including the 2016 Anti-Defamation League of Austin Social Justice Award and the 2018 Austin 40 Under 40 Award for Civics. So I think another round of applause. <laughs> Thing to Riley. <laughs> so next, uh, I'm going to introduce Riley Blanks. <laughs> the artist is present. Um, so Riley Blanks is a communication artist in every sense of the word. Um, at her core, she is an activist who tells stories while shifting shapes through photography, performing, and writing. Riley's view of the world is informed by the 15 cities and six countries she's lived in since she was a little girl. Riley's dynamic childhood experiences and multiracial background inform her abilities and interests. Humanitarian and societal issues are of paramount importance to her work. In March of 2018, Riley founded Woke Beauty, inspired by her mom, who is here tonight. Yay, mom! Riley's mission is to empower women to celebrate themselves through an uplifting photography experience. And if you guys aren't familiar with Woke Beauty, um, get over to that Instagram account because every single portrait I've seen on there brings tears to my eyes because it really, she has an ability to capture the most beautiful part of every single subject I've seen you document. So, um, Her most recent venture, a self-portrait series titled Manifest, which we're so pleased to host here tonight, is an exploration of expression and expression of her resiliency as a biracial woman claiming space in a society that attempts to confine her. Riley proudly serves as a global shaper with the World Economic Forum. She continues to revel in life with her fiancé, Jack, and their two pit bulls, Walter and Willow. <laughs> so I'll turn it over to you guys now. Awesome. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Um, thank you so much for having us. I first want to just provide um, an incredible thank you to Miranda. Um, I've been such a fan of her designs and her her boutique um, for so long, but I think in this past few months, I've just been so um, blessed by her generosity. I think that's sort of the ethos of your brand, to open it up and be so committed to community and connection um, is a beautiful thing, and your commitment to diversity of culture um, is something that um, does not go unnoticed. So thank you for opening up your space to us today. So let's give Miranda. So, well, good evening to all of you. This is a beautiful room, by the way. Like, very good-looking room. Um, I'm so beyond thrilled to participate in the opening of the Manifest exhibit. Um, it is truly my pleasure um, as a fan of this art, but also um, someone who considers herself a, a considers Riley a dear friend of hers. Um, so that's truly my honor. And I think what's really incredible, here we are entering the last week of Black History Month. And so to be in this space, this physical geographic footprint of East Austin, understanding the history um, of this community, um, and to bring this vision, um, this artistry, and such a unique lens, um, I think is really exciting. And so I, I thank you guys for joining us in this exploration and this dialogue. And hopefully you guys will allow us to really just kind of um, um, correspond as friends um, as well as um, people who are really connected to this work and to this conversation. Um, so I'm going to start off here um, with a quote from Audre Lorde, who's one of my favorite writers and um, anthropologist. And she says, when we create out of our experiences as feminists of color and women of color, we have to develop those structures that will present and circulate our culture. And so when I think about Riley's work, that's where I start. And so I'm actually going to take us back to the first time that Riley and I officially met. Uh, we've kind of seen each other, you know, around when you see, you know, another melanated woman in a room with incredible hair like Riley. You take notice. But the first time we actually met, we sat down and had coffee. Um, and she was sharing with me sort of the first iterations of the project you guys see before you. Um, and in that conversation, she so transparently and vulnerably shared um, the complexities of her maturation, right? Some of the confusion growing up and being able to explore such beautiful places around this world, but trying to find her place in it. And then what happened when she went to college and um, providing, getting language to put towards some of the feelings that she had growing up um, as a biracial woman. And then moving to Austin and finally kind of centering herself and understanding a bit about her identity. And so Riley, I'm going to ask you to kind of walk us through that journey and some of the words that started to, um, to develop um, as you started to go through your own maturation. Yeah. Hi. Hi, what's up? <laughs> Virginia is like one of my closest friends. So, um, yeah, this, this feels cool to be sitting next to you and having this conversation. And I've actually modeled for Miranda, but I would really just say I've hung out with Miranda and someone was taking pictures because she's always created such a welcoming space um, just filled with so much love, whether it's through a drink or um, or music or a conversation. So thank you, Miranda, wherever you are. <laughs> there you are for creating this space. Um, and thank you, one of my best friends, for sitting next to me. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you all for, for being here. Um, if I reflect back on uh, my life, I feel like I'm talking like I'm a 100-year-old person. I'm 29. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's been interesting to kind of navigate being biracial. And... Um, 
just kind of trying to figure out where you fit in because you, you typically don't and kind of coming to um, the conclusion that not fitting in is okay um, and it's actually something to be proud of. And I am very proud of where I come from. Both of my parents are here today. Um, I am halfway and I am half black and I embody both of those parts of myself fully. Um, as I've grown, I've, I've noticed that, that being biracial for me is a subset of being black um, in part due to how I feel but also due to the way that the world sees me and the world treats me um, and it took me a hot second to come to that conclusion um, it's interesting looking at this work because when I first started thinking about it I remember when I was meeting with Virginia I was like I'll just find a beige sheet like just a neutral color you know it'll be like a taupe and I'll just cover myself in the sheet and so then it'll show that like my skin isn't that important and that was like three years ago so I was still like trying to figure it out you know and now I'm like no my skin is really important it has a lot to do with my identity um, and that's really what I was going for with these images I wanted to highlight my skin to, to make it vibrant I didn't want to whitewash it and I have been photographed many times often by, by white men and I have been um, edited to look lighter than I, I am in real life um, and so this was kind of a reclaiming of my color. It was me saying, like, no, this is something to be proud of. This is beautiful. Um, this deserves space. Um, and so I, pl I played tennis, which is a pretty white sport. I'm going back through time. And um, I definitely, like, used to correct people and say, no, I'm, I'm actually half white and I'm half black. You know, I was, like, very rooted in that. And then I went to college. I went to UVA, South and Mason Dixie Line, and I was constantly reminded that the, the halfway in me wasn't that important. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's how that functions. Um, and so through my time at UVA and through the fine art department where I predominantly studied white male photographers, um, I started to kind of think about how could I create a narrative that was different than what I was studying. Um, and so it's kind of cool to see how full circle this is. The only female photographer I studied who was black was Carrie Mae Weems, and actually most of her portraits were self-portraits. And it was her claiming space in plantations and in the South. And, um, and so much of that speaks to this. And, and yeah, so that's kind of neat. Um, I'm kind of rambling, but no. there have been many evolutions since birth <laughs> as there have been for all of you so and one of the things yeah. you mentioned sort of um both in your artist statement which i encourage you guys if you haven't read the whole thing to to go and, and read it in its entirety um is space plays such an important piece of not only your personal narrative right but how your work is informed you know you've traveled the world you've played tennis in all parts of this country and then you find yourself here in Austin and um, as I mentioned before here we are we stand in the very historic um, piece of our city that um, wasn't just um, through happenstance that black and brown people populated this part of town, but through um, policy and through intentional political decisions, right? Um, and so when we think back about um, sort of the history of this city, it's really easy for us, I think, here in Austin, where we sort of on the surface, we have this very thriving metropolis, right? And we're liberal and we're progressive and we're weird. But the truth is there's another lived reality. There's another lived experience. And that is mostly experienced by people of color feeling invisible or feeling isolated. Um, and so we have this re-emerging or this re-trauma of people being displaced in East Austin after being forced here. Um, and as we've talked, you know, sort of this historical amnesia is something that's very pervasive throughout the U.S. And as some, a student and alum, 
of UVA, historically amnesia is something you're quite familiar with. Yes, um, indeed. Having gone to a school that is on the property of Thomas Jefferson, where he owned slaves, and then you know here we are however many years later, and we have Charlottesville take place. And so I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how place and how your photography helps us in some ways reclaim or reframe history in a way that connects to you. Yeah, so I'll kind of two-part... uh, there's a two part to this this answer so for me um, if I look at the University of Virginia which is where I I studied um, for undergraduate I studied fine art photography um, there was sort of like an erasure of Thomas Jefferson as a slave owner Um, there are quotes from him like all over our school like in the libraries and it's all about health and architecture and no one really kind of talks about how he owned slaves or how like Sally Hemming was his mistress but she was actually his slave Um, I remember Stephen Colbert like he came and spoke there and he joked that we were all like somehow like related to Thomas Jefferson because he had quite a few women apparently but no one really had that conversation we had to um really remind each other that that was like the ground that we were literally studying on and so um yeah that that's kind of interesting to think about as far as like University of Virginia historically and how that showed its face presently and I think about my dad actually went to TVA as well and they had a black bus stop when he went to school there um and I remember telling my friends at, at school and they were like what there was a there was a BBS here you know um and the thing is like even present day those things are still happening we just had the all right marching through Charlottesville. Um, And so it's easy for many in a liberal city to kind of forget that those things are existing, but it's important to remember them. And I do think oftentimes our memories and what we choose to remember um, can also speak to what we choose to forget. And so when I look at Austin, um, for me, I... I think I just really wanted to express that black people, brown and black people, can enjoy Austin environmentally just as much as white people. And I think with sort of what's happening right now with displacement and with gentrification, it's easy to forget that. Um, At the events that I've hosted under Woke Beauty, I've, I've had a lot of women of color come up to me and ask me how I enjoy my life here and how I became happy here and how I found community here. Um, And that was really hard to hear that it was such a struggle. Um, But I also, in in reminiscing, remember the first two years I lived here, I I didn't really quite feel welcome. I didn't quite feel like home yet, in in large part because I hadn't met people um, like Virginia or I hadn't occupied spaces where I felt like I belonged because the room didn't really reflect how I grew up, which was in a very diverse way. Um, And so... I really, I really thought about all of that at once, um, which was a lot to digest. Um, but there was sort of like a like the claiming of space is is showing that black and brown people can exist outside and enjoy it. And if I tie that all the way back to University of Virginia and I think about slavery and how oftentimes being outside for black people was somehow somehow punishment, like picking cotton, whereas mulatto women were like in the household mm-hmm. and that was where they're like, you know, there was no sun, so you felt a little bit cooler or whatever the yeah. reason. Um, I wanted to show that we can, that we can have freedom outside, um, literally and also like in a metropolis. 
I mean, it's so beautiful to see sort of the layers of your work, right? It's not one-dimensional. There's so much thought put into sort of how it ties to history and space. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, finding home here in Austin. So you, you spoke to the idea that your first few years, you know, you didn't feel like you had found connections with people and community. And I know for a lot of artists of color, Austin is a very isolating place because Austin, in general, outside of the music scene, isn't known for its art necessarily. But then you have this incredible community of artists and creatives. I've got one of them over here in the corner. Um, and, <laughs> and so I wonder um, if you could speak a little bit to what it has meant to build community. And that's kind of the foundation of Woke Beauty, is helping create community through identity and through art. And so how has that helped to inform um, your work in terms of finding people who inspire you and perhaps even inform your work? Yeah, it's it's so important. Um, I think as we progress in society, we are becoming a little bit uh, less connected. Um, maybe can get rid of the little bit piece, um, especially because of technology um, and just like how much we migrate. It's really easy to lose touch. Um, and it's also just really easy to get enclosed and to forget like the breadth of humanity. And so for me, Woke Beauty is about photography, yes, but it was also about building connections and showing people that we have just as much commonality as we have difference. Um, and so I think it's just, I don't know, I was talking to someone earlier and I was saying it's so hard to walk into a room sometimes and you don't know anyone, you're just like, uh, <laughs> I should have showed up right when the conversation started. Um, but, you know, once we start to break down those walls, we really find that there is so much unity just like in being human. Um, and so with the Woke Beauty events, with having these kind of community building sort of like workshops and spaces, um, I have noticed that just coming and showing up and being around other people, whether they look like you or not, is just so invigorating. Um, and so when it came to, to the self-portraiture, I was hopeful that it was a representation of community, that it was altruistic, that it was um, symbolic. It wasn't just about me. It was using me as a vessel. And I got a text um, a couple days ago, actually, from a friend who was unable to make it, but she read a line from um, my artist statement that talked about the act of performing. Mm -hmm. And she said that in her work where um, she actually just had an evaluation that didn't go so well, she said she oftentimes feels like a performer and not a person. And um, I think it's really unfortunate that we can't be both. And so for me, this, this was like, can I be a person and I can perform not necessarily for anyone else, but, but for myself. I love so. that. So going back a little bit in sort of your own biography, 29 wonderful years <laughs> on this earth. Um, so you're a tennis player, go a scholarship to D1 school, right? And you start to explore sort of your identity. And a part of that was informed by the space that you were in at UVA. You talked about people reminding you that your whiteness, right, didn't have necessarily as much power in terms of being visually represented. Um, and so I wonder if you could walk us through the decision to choose photography as your medium of choice, as your, your artistic expression. Um, and what about that um, seemed to help connect and perhaps express the story that you were developing in college? Yeah, so it was actually always other people's stories that interested me, and both of my parents are actually, I think, really good at taking pictures, not necessarily because they're, like, technically sound, but they're just really good at connecting with people. Now that you're, I mean, your pictures are great, but, um, you know, like, so for me, watching that growing up, like, they're both, though one might be an introvert and one might be an extrovert, they're both very social beings. They're really good at communicating and connecting with people, and I watched that as a little girl, and I wanted to be like that, and I do think the camera can actually literally, like, be 
be the the kind of like bridge between the two. And so at UVA, while like most of my like friends, peers, whatever, were like trying to hide behind the camera, I was like trying to use it to like come through, you know. Um, and so I was mostly fascinated by the sociological elements of photography, by how it can connect us. Less interested in like actually making a picture and I think it drove my professors insane um but but yeah that was really what it was all about and with woke beauty it's the same it's like how can I tell someone else's story with a picture and it's challenged because it's it's frozen in time um but that to me makes it all that much more interesting and it's so funny because I used to judge self-portraiture. I used to think it was vain. I used to think it was kind of self-consumed. Um, but for me, in these images, the actual process of taking them, there was so much conversation with myself. There was so much narrative building. And every image, even if there are people around me, I'm alone. Like, no one helped me do this, you know? And so what came out on the other side of that was so much pride and also so much respect for isolation, for introspection, um, which is kind of interesting to think about in tandem with how like much I love people and hanging yeah. around people. And so um, I'm going to take you through, for those of you who haven't um, read her artist statement, there's a particular line in here that really struck me, and I'm hoping you can give us a little bit of insight um, into how this informs your work. So you wrote, oftentimes while navigating the city of Austin, I am painstakingly aware of the absence of black and brown hues in the spaces I occupy. Despite the inverted progressiveness and liberal nature of Austin, it's the only major metropolitan in the entire country with a steadily decreasing African-American population. And then you go on to say, I have heard a calling, felt a pull, and sensed a duty to express my passion for equity. These images reveal the ownership I have taken over my skin color, the appreciation I have for my multiracial background, and the determination I possess to provide the framework in building a community that gives women of color opportunity, inclusion, and visibility. I mean, you could have just wrote that and not even done the photos. And I mean, that was powerful enough. So if we could give some snaps for for all that verbiage. Um, but walk us through a little bit about um, how, you know, you talk about this sort of dichotomy of both you love to tell other people's stories or to help them maybe bring their story to life, right? But this is also about your own connection to this city and the way that you navigate. Um, and particularly when you talk about um, that you wanted to you have a passion for equity and you wanted to provide a framework for how women can be included and be vulnerable and to be seen. Um, How do you feel that these portraits particularly um, do that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because I was picking it apart when you were reading it. I was thinking, I want to give opportunity, but I want to. What I want to give is like autonomy. Like I want women to feel like they can create their own opportunity. I want them to feel like they're in charge of themselves and their life. Yeah. And so I think for me, I was really hoping that the images felt hopeful. I was hoping that they felt colorful, dynamic, like like they could breathe, mm-hmm. you know, and not like like just like you're just feeling like. I don't know, what, whatever word describes this. <laughs> I think this is recorded, so sorry I can't give you a word. Um, and so, yeah, as far as, like, what it's really meaning, I think um, I think about, like, hope, you know? And I think, so a lot of people say, like, oh, I can't live here. There's no one that looks like me here. It's really hard to walk around and feel like I'm the only one. And for me, it's like, this is opportunity. Like, the fewer of us that are here, the more, the more space we have to grow, the more space we have to speak. And so, I, I, like, I look at you, and I'm like, we're so lucky to have you, right? But you have the, the, the space, literally, the environment to elevate your voice 
And I think it's in some ways helpful that we don't have very many like you. You know, we don't have very many like us here. And so I think it's really bold to to take that opportunity and to allow yourself to kind of like roll out. Um, and I think it's also really easy to just leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the beginning there were times like I've, I've also lived in Nashville, which in some ways is a parallel city. And I left Nashville um, and. I think it, it's really easy to, to go there, and I just wanted to find a way not to. And so um, literally every image is in Austin or in some area of Austin, which was done very intentionally. And some of the images, um, like this one is at, in, at Barton Springs. Um, I went at sunrise hoping that no one would be there, but of course there were a bunch of people like beating drums. You know how it is at Barton Springs. And um, there was like a wall of like 10 men watching me take that picture. And I wanted to leave. I mean, it's literally like an analogy to what I just said. I felt so uncomfortable. Um, Like, this isn't my responsibility. This isn't my duty. Mm. And I think about that in regards to you too. Like, you don't have to carry this weight, you know? Um, But I was like, no, I got to take this picture. I woke up at five and I just have this vision. And and so I took it and I, I dealt with some of the conversations I had there. And yeah, and so there's so many parallels to what we are living on a daily basis. Um, And I do think there's like a delicate balance between you don't have to carry it, you don't have to do it, but you have to do it. It's the only way to progress, you know? Yeah, I think that's so um, apropos, you know, even being in this space, we just met this woman um, who happened to be um, a black woman and she came up directly to us and was just like introduced herself and there was this immediate connection that we had because she was like, anytime I see a black woman, I introduce myself and there's this connection and we said, um, we said, yeah, you have to, it has to be intentional in Austin. You have to seek out that community, which is not the same experience or narrative in other cities. Um, and so there is this sort of, um, this duality, right, where it's, I just want to be able to be. I just want to be able to walk into spaces, right, and be myself and be authentically me without having to calibrate the room and read the room, right? But then sometimes there's also this feeling of, like, obligation or responsibility that comes with that. And I think one of the things that stuck out to me about your work is that you immediately feel this freedom. And I think that's by the environment that you chose. I think it's through the color. Um, And speaking of color, for some of our art, how many artists do we have in the room, no matter how you define that? Awesome. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about sort of the methodology um, and uh, sort of the technical pieces of it. In your artist statement, you describe it as this. You say, through texture, movement, light, and color, I'm conveying that all women of color have the power to manifest an environment in which they can thrive despite the injustice they face with, within their respective communities. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, when I think of you, I truly think of color, like just your 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 presence is color, right? When you walk into a room, you see, I mean, obviously you're beautiful, but your actual spirit, I think, um, is connected to the environments and the climates that you chose. Um, And so I wonder if you could walk us through um, sort of the intentionality behind um, the spaces that you chose. Um, Also knowing that even in doing these photos, you were kind of living out... um, sort of the content, having to endure some of these conversations with people and yeah. feeling uncomfortable. So if you could walk us through some of the locations that you chose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are a lot of elements that go into this. There's like texture, there's color, there's clothing choice, um, there's the performance aspect, the racial aspect, the gender aspect. There's a lot happening. Um, and so at first I wanted to be very literal and to like literally blend into the environment. Um, 
And that was sort of a play with, like, I'm blended, but I oftentimes stand out, and so how can I kind of, like, convey that in an image? And then it got, it did not go that way, and I'm really glad it didn't. <laughs> um, but so this one is also outside of Barton Springs, and I thought it would be really interesting to pull a leaf from the plant, um, and that somehow, like, had to do with being born, um, and, and looking at how a plant can, like, change despite its environment. Um, also, my eyeball is visible, but it's really hard to see from this distance, um, which was an accident I was actually very bummed about that at first and then I was like oh that's interesting there's actually like a play with like hiding yourself but uncovering just parts pieces and parts and the concept of privacy is really interesting to me and how we kind of choose the pieces we want to share with different people um the one right above my fiance in the back <laughs> is at Zilker Botanical Gardens. Um, and it's funny, I've shot there many times and I've never taken a picture that looks like that picture. And that's happened a lot throughout this journey because um, this is just a few of the images. They're actually now 15. Um, but I, I think that the concept of photographing yourself and everyone, I think, should try it, whether you're a photographer or not, um, it reveals elements that don't exist when you look at the world with a camera. Um, and so that's also very interesting to me. Um, but yeah, I tried a lot of different... Um, that one's called Belonging. They all have titles as well. I tried a lot of different poses with that, and I really just wanted to feel like I was home. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that. And then the one to the left of it is at Barton Springs, which I mentioned. Um, kind of an interesting viewpoint. I wanted it to look like an ambiguous location. Um, and you can see really here I'm playing with, like, the color of what I'm wearing um, with the water. You also might have noticed in a lot of these I'm not wearing a lot of clothing, and that was very intentional. Um, Light-skinned women, all, of, all women of color oftentimes are objectified and sexualized even if we look at like Beyonce um, and Rihanna and like Zendaya and just like how much sort of like almost fetishization that's not the right word no we're gonna roll with it yes Asian um, is happening there and so I wanted to make myself pure Um, like my parents taught me that my body is a temple so like can I exhibit that in an image can I make it not feel sexual can I make it not feel objectified can I make it like actually this is literally just my skin just my body and I cherish it Um, so that's that's that was very intentional Uh, going to the back the one in the corner um, I have a pretty I have I, I think it's significant but we all see ourselves different than other people so I don't know everyone has a different opinion about my scar um, but I do have a pretty a scar. You can I don't know if anyone can see it, but it's going across right above my eye, and I can show it to you here as well. It's typically hidden because I've got a lot of hair. Um, but I wanted to be very vulnerable in that image. I never show my scar. I always try to hide it. So, again, going back to the eye over here, looking at privacy and what we choose to expose. And at the same time, I really wanted to blend into the tree, and I wanted my dress to kind of reflect my skin. And so there's this sort of dance between exposing and, and hiding. Um, and then if you continue on to the next one, that's probably the hardest picture I've taken so far of me on the ground. That's at Secret Theater, which is a really interesting location because they're now trying to keep that space. It's actually um, not doing so well because it's a community space and um, it's worth a lot of money. And it's over here on the east side. And uh, it's a great space for photography and weddings and all kinds of things. And they have a beautiful greenhouse. And so I wanted to, I'm using two mirrors there. So there's a mirror leaning against the corner and then I'm holding a mirror, and then I'm kind of looking up toward the light. Um, and, and so that was really 
gosh, there's a lot happening there. I'm going to read you a quote that, um, that actually speaks a lot to that image. So, okay, this is by Elizabeth Alexander. Um, the quote says, Tapping into this black imaginary helps us envision what we, were, we are not meant to envision. Complex black selves, real and enactable black power, rampant and unfetishized black beauty. There's the word again. And so looking really at sort of the interiority of identity instead of making it oftentimes like black culture, we look at food and we look at music and we look at, you know, movies. And so how can we internalize it? How can we make it more about a conversation that we're having with self? And so um, this was really supposed to sort of be a meditative example of my own personal identity and how I look at myself. Um, Going on to the next one and then the other large image, those are both taken in Enchanted Rock. Um, it's interesting because I some of these I had very clear visions for, others I did not. This one I had a very clear vision, and it did not work out at all the way I, I thought of it. So at first it was like me doing some kind of like very aggressive like athletic pose on top of a mountain, um, and it didn't work. The sun was just wasn't right, and I was also like dripping sweat. This was like August last year, so it was like 108 degrees. I don't know why I decided to shoot it at 10 a.m. But, um, but yeah, so I really wanted to like look like I was almost like like uh, blending into the wall or molding into the the. It's not a wall. It's like a large giant rock. I also wanted to, wanted it to feel super two dimensional. So like you can't really tell that that rock is actually rounded. Um, and so it's supposed to be very fierce. It's supposed to be like I'm taking a stance. It's one of the few images where I'm looking you dead in the eye. Um, and, and yeah, so there's not really supposed to be, it's supposed to be like, yeah, I'm vulnerable, but I don't care. <laughs> um, and the next one, which is just left to my dad, it's called Claiming Space. And I'm actually wearing Miranda Bennett in that image. Um, I borrowed that dress from a friend. It was not super intentional, but I could have worn Miranda Bennett in all these images. <laughs> it would have been perfect. Um, but the sun is actually just rising in that image. Um, and that's really, like, to me, my expression is very hopeful and serene, and to me, that's kind of the culmination of the whole series, Um, that, like, through this process and even, like, coming out on the other side of it, which I'm not sure if the series will ever die. I think it's, like, a forever thing. Um, There was a lot of, like, satisfaction in, in being alone, and I think oftentimes, no matter where we live or what we face, just remembering what we have in ourself, um, is, is really powerful. Awesome. So when we think about your work, obviously it's visual, but I think um, words and verbiage and storytelling is at the crux of what you do, and that's really important to the work that I do through Rosa Rebellion, um, is understanding that storytelling is foundational to activism and agitation, particularly as people of color. And so when I think about some of my favorite artists who happen to also be writers, who happen to be the historians of our time, whether that's Maya Angelou or Audre Lorde or James Baldwin, right? These are people that weren't just writing, right? They were reflecting sort of the understanding of systemic um, isms back to us. Um, And I think as we reflect back, in some ways they were helping set intention for how we could agitate and disrupt systems. And so when I think about your work, some of the words that come to mind are disruption um, and recalibration, right? This idea of recalibrating how women of color relate to the outdoor space um, here in Austin, disrupting our understanding of what it looks like to take ownership of your body despite what history says about women of color. Um, And so I wonder what your reaction is to those two words when you think about disruption, when you think about recalibration. How does that relate um, to not just this uh, particular series, but your art um, in general? 
Yeah, so um, photography in general, like when I scroll even through a feed, like if we take it to Instagram, sorry, I got to go there. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to find people that look like me or that look like you on a photographer's feed, especially in Austin. And when I was first starting my business, I was like, damn, I could just start a business like about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it's also frustrating. Like if I'm, if I'm going to find a photographer, I want to see that someone knows how to photograph my skin. And that's actually a, a thing. I've received images back like that are supposed to represent me that are like orange. Like my skin literally looks orange. Um, and so, you know, the, the, even the post-production, cause I know the raw image didn't look like that. The post-production sort of perspective is, is really problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to kind of reclaim literally color. Um, and I, as a woman of color, know the vast complexity of hue. Like, literally, if we look at photography as a science. Um, and so as far as disruption goes, like, taking back sort of, like, the narrative of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really interesting historically, too. Like, if you look at film, it was not calibrated for black skin. Um, and so it was really hard to actually take pictures of black people. They were oftentimes, like, highly underexposed. You couldn't even see them. Um, and so so that's just, like, so a little soapbox, yeah. like, disruption there. But also just creating images of myself as a person of color um, in and of itself just seeing these hung up here, it's a little weird because it's me. Um, but it's hard to find this, you know, anywhere in Austin. By purely um, existing, that is a form of yeah, a disruption, exactly. right? By yeah. by being in this space and even the layers of, you know, um, being in this physical space and where we are sort of in Austin um, and the ability to reclaim um, certain physical spaces. And um, I'm actually going to pr- put you on the spot. We didn't talk about this, but um, but that's what friends can do, right? right. I um, it to you. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, I think this is maybe about a year ago. You did a campaign for well, the brand will remain nameless, and they photographed you, and you sent me this. Well, what I know that like you know the text messages you get on iPhone where you have to like press the three dots because it doesn't all fit in the frame. That's what I got from Riley. I was like, oh boy, what what just went down? And she sent me these side by side images of the original image she got back from this photographer and then what happened in post production, and was clearly upset um, about not just you know you know because as a model you hand yourself over right to the photographer's interpretation, but what that meant right. So there's so many layers to um, expectation of what beauty looks like, defining what beauty looks like. That um, as a person of color, as a black person, right, that you want to. Um, that you want to minimize your color, right? And what that meant commercially in terms of it being sellable, right? So it was all these layers. And so we were going back and forth around. She's like, should I say something? Should I write an email back to him? She's like, should I put it on Instagram and put him on blast? And I was like, yeah, girl, put him on blast. It wasn't like that. I was like, you know, Riley, you should really consider. She did not say put him on blast. That's why I texted her. (laughs) Um, But walk us through sort of the psychology and the emotion of that. Because you, I think you present a very unique lens because you're on both sides of the camera, depending on sort of what project you're working on. Um, and that, again, one of those words that I always think of when I think about work is disruption because you didn't wait for another person to interpret you or interpret your story. You decided to put yourself in front of the camera and interpret it in that way. So if you could connect a little bit that about that experience. <laughs> I don't need to follow up. That was beautifully but said. But I just I remember, yeah, like I just remember yeah. that being such... Um, a pivotal moment for you, I yeah. feel like, in terms of the power that you have. And my arm, so it was, it was, it was layered. I, my skin was made to look light, and my arm. He, I don't know why he sent the originals. Like, who would do this? My arm was made <laughs> to look skinnier as well. So, like, we, you know, I 
yeah, it made me feel, I already, we all have things about our body, right? So it was like added layer of, um, I don't know, it was almost like a triggering of insecurity. And so, and I did end up emailing him and I did end up sharing the story on Instagram. However, I did not put him on blast. (laughs) I used it as an opportunity to explain, um, yeah, just like the layered issues that exist in photography and that exist in viewership, and also to to use it as an an opportunity to to give a lesson on the history of photography, um, as well as to explain that it is very rare that we stand in front of people who take time to interpret us. Um, like holding a camera is having power. Like I can, I can really make anyone look however I want within their own bounds. You know, like I tell my clients, like if you want, you know, a zit removed, I do not mind at all. If you want something tucked in or whatever, like it's your body. And this is just a representation. This is not the reality. Like we could photograph this room. I could choose to crop here and it could be anywhere. It could be anything. Someone could think we were just one-on-one conversation and so that perspective element is really interesting to me and disrupting that is sometimes not being afraid to have a conversation with someone and tell them that what they did was offensive and inappropriate um it's not always well received in this case it wasn't and it took me a couple of sleepless nights and some conversations (laughs) with my dad to get over it um but I do think it's important even if it's just standing up for yourself it might not always progress society. It's it's not always about going those measures, though. Um, sometimes I think it is about, like, fulfilling a feeling. So I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to open up to you guys. So be thinking about that amazing question that you're going to ask her in a second. Um, so two reference points. Um, there's a show on Netflix. I don't know if you all have watched it. It's called Abstract. Has anyone watched it on Abstract? And they did this awesome um, episode on... Um, on uh, an artist that I really admire, Ruth Carter, who um, has really well known. We're in a clothing boutique, probably inspired by her as well. Um, she did the wardrobe styling for like Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing and Selma and Black Panther, like an incredible, right? And so this is what she said in response to um, her work. She said that, um, that it was less about the practice of designing clothes or even being a stylist, but rather her work was really that of a historian and a storyteller. Um, and then I related that to recently Ava DuVernay um, was interviewed. Um, she had just won an award, and she was talking about this idea of sort of reimagining imagery or the identity of blackness in film. And she said, um, she remarked that art and activism are very aligned because both require imagination. Um, and I think that's so... Um, connected to your work because this is truly imagination. You are the photographer, you are the subject, right? Um, And that this idea of activism, this idea of disruption, this idea of reclaiming our stories as people of color requires imagination because it's it's the possibilities that we were never told that we could have, right? And so I wonder if you could sort of sum up how that connects to your desire to call this this series Manifest. Yeah, so... I think manifest to me speaks to evolution, which I find to be really important. Obviously, we are all constantly changing and evolving, and I think it is the only constant. Um, and I think as far as manifestation goes, it's it's really something that you do yourself. It's an active word. It's not passive. Um, so like, if we look at evolution, that's just happening, whereas manifestation, you're creating it. And so for me, going through the series, I really wanted to embody that, um, and for it to just kind of exist organically. And then as I actually took the images, hopefully it would just like 
come through, but you can never know. You can only, you can only think it in yeah. your head. Um, and I really found that to be true in every image. I might have had some kind of a vision. I might have had some kind of an imagination. But the fact of the matter is that with the camera, me being literally at such distant from it, I only had so much control. And so there's this really interesting dance between having control and not having control. And I think that um, it's like a perfect analogy to life. And in the spirit of community, I want to ask you guys to do a few things for me. One, you're going to follow Woke Beauty on Instagram. <laughs> oh you're going to follow gosh. Miranda Bennett no Studio on Instagram. And you're going to meet someone here that you don't know before you leave um, and, and support one another. Because I think one of the most beautiful things that um, as someone mentioned before that Riley does is she really connects people authentically and truly. It is just, I think, a part of her innate spirit is to bring people together through not just her art, but just through her essence. And so with that, I also Thank want you to help join in celebrating and congratulating Riley Thanks. on Manifest. Thank you. <laughs> and if you will also help me thank um, Miranda for opening up this space. Thanks, and just being an incredible part of this community um, and what she does and how she offers this. And thank you guys for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You can connect with us on Instagram at Woke Beauty or me at Riley Blanks and learn more at WokeBeauty.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Until next time, have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful. <laughs>